you have a question about the Bible? Do you ever wonder what we can know and understand about God? Maybe you're struggling with an issue in your walk with the Lord. Would you like some biblical guidance? Well, if so, you've come to the right place. Yes, this is Open Line with Dr. Michael Rydelnik, Moody Radio's Bible study across America. The phone number to call in and ask your Bible question today is 877-548-3675. 877-548-3675. Give me a call right now and you won't be talking to the venerable Michael Rydelnik. You'll be talking to me, Mike Fabares. I'm sitting in today for Michael Rydelnik. Hopefully you recognize my voice, if not from this show from time to time, when Michael is so kind to let me sit in, but from my show that broadcasts here on Moody Radio, Focal Point Radio. We're there at some point on your schedule, depending on your station. But today, I'm not preaching at you. I'm opening up the phone lines to have you talk to me at 587, I'm sorry, 877-5. 4836675 is the number and this is the time Michael likes to talk about us sitting at the kitchen table talking about the Bible about God about the spiritual life that we all have to live and I today am providing your answers I happen to be the pastor of Compass Bible Church in Aliso Viejo California as if you knew where that was that's in the, the heart of South Orange County. We're about halfway between LA and San Diego. And if you know Southern California, you might know where that's at. And you, if you know Southern California, I hope you're praying for Southern California because we do have churches here, lampstands that are trying to shine brightly in this culture. But you know what? It's getting dark everywhere. We need our churches to shine and we need the gospel to ring out. And we're doing our best here in Aliso Viejo. And Compass is planning churches and doing all that we can. And it may give you some comfort to know that I am a graduate of Moody Bible Institute way back in the 1980s, in the dark ages, before we all carried around our cell phones. But I loved my time at Moody Bible Institute. It was great. It was formative. It was life-changing for me. And I remember listening to Don Cole do his question and answer program on the Moody Network, and I just was in awe of, of Don Cole. And then, of course, Michael Rydelnik comes along, and what a great tradition this is, and I'm just so humbled to be a part of it to sit in today and from time to time on this program. It's a wonderful program. And if you have a question today and you'd like to call in and ask, just what does the Bible say about this? What is the biblical worldview on this? What should I think as a Christian? How do I apply this particular truth in my Christian life? Well, then you need to call me at 877-548-3675-877-548-3675. Three six seven five. Go to the phones right now. Give me a call. And if you're thinking to yourself, I'm just too shy to do something like that. I could type a question. I don't know if I could call in a question. Well, if you want to type in a question, you can do that. We have an open line website. It's a great place to go and click around. There's a lot of things there you might want to check out. But for today's show, you want to look for that Ask Michael a Question button. And it's if you go to openlineradio.org. Openlineradio, very simple, .org. And then just go to that Ask Michael a Question. And it works today, I suppose, since my name is Mike, too. And you can click on that. And once you do, you'll have a form to fill out there. Just type in your question. We'll get it here on what we call the mailbag. And the mailbag is where we take your written questions and we get to them. And we're going to do that today with Trish McMillan, who happens to be producing the program as excellently as she always does. We've got our technical production by Bob Moreau. we got Courtney Young, of course, Chris Papendick, and Anthony, without a last name, answering your calls. Now, I don't know why Anthony doesn't have a last name, but he's going to answer your calls. Nevertheless, if you call in at 877 Five four eight three six seven five. Maybe he's so famous 
He's like some of those artists that don't need a last name. So Anthony, Anthony's on the phones. He's ready to talk to you. And that phone number you need to call right now, 877-548-3675. So as Michael likes to say, I hope you got your cup of coffee or your tea, or maybe you're a uh, morning uh, diet Coke drinker. Who knows what you might be drinking there. But we would love for you to get your Bibles out, pull it up on your phone, open it up, lay it on your kitchen table. We're going to study the Bible together. And before we go to the phones, which we're going to do in just a minute, I just want to remind you that though we're living in some challenging times, the Word of God is unchanging. And while you may not be a preacher, you should all be studying First and Second Timothy and Titus. These three books in the New Testament are called the pastoral epistles because, of course, Paul, the apostle, is writing to Timothy and to Titus about their role as people that are given the task of sharing the truth of God's Word. Now, when I put it that way, I hope you recognize there must be a lot of things in those books that I can learn about, and you should go there. And you should study those three books. And you should say, I know I have a role to play in this. I am, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I am an ambassador of Christ. I represent Christ in this world. I am, to use the words of Acts chapter 1, I'm a witness to Christ in this generation. And so these books are helpful, though you may not have the role of being a preacher on Sunday morning and strapping a microphone to your body. You must be someone who takes the truth of the gospel into the dark crevices of this world, wherever you live, wherever you walk, wherever you go to the gym, wherever you go to restaurants, you've got to go and bring the truth of the gospel. And I love what it says when we get to 2 Timothy chapter 4, when here is Paul leaning in on this charge to young Timothy. Now, remember, he was charged in the books, if you know these books, with being a little too timid. You know, he's young. He's got a lot of reasons to kind of put his hand over his mouth, and he says this to him. Listen to these words. I charge you, he says to Timothy, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge of the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, to preach the word, proclaim it. It's a great Greek word, caruso. Proclaim it. Get it out there. Make sure people are hearing it through your mouth. Be ready in season. That's when people are applauding. And out of season, when they're booing and hissing. Doesn't matter. Keep on reproving, rebuking, exhorting. Do it with complete patience and teaching. Now, you're not a preacher, maybe. Maybe you are a preacher listening this morning. But if you're not, just you've got to recognize that opening line, that the presence of God and of Jesus Christ is what we live under all the time. He is an omnipresent triune God. He knows all things, perceives all things, and he will one day hold us all accountable. I love that line. He's the judge of the living and the dead which of course are two categories of Christian and non-Christian. I'm alive in Christ, and there are those that are dead in their transgressions and sins, and he will judge them both, one at the Bema seat judgment of Christ and one at the great white throne judgment, to use the biblical phrases. I know Bema is a Greek word, but we talk about standing before Christ, the judgment seat of Christ, and that means that we are standing as his servants before our king and giving an account of our deeds. Now, there's no condemnation for those in Christ, right? Romans chapter 8, verse 1. But we will give an account for our Christian life, and the dead, of course, who reject the Lord. They're dead in their transgressions and sins. They're going to stand before God, and they're going to be punished for their sins. There will be condemnation for them, but we are people that are going to give an account for whether or not we were representing him. You want to put it in milder terms, although they're not very mild if you think about them. We are light, and we are salt in our generation, in your neighborhood, in your family, right? In every association, every guild, every group, every club, every soccer team, or whatever you're a part of, you are there 
as light and salt. And to be light and salt, we've got to open our mouths. We don't just need to live well in front of them. We can do that. But there's a lot of people that may live well, right? But they're not Christians. They're not saying why we live differently, but we've got to preach the word. Proclaim it. Let people know the truth of God's word. You need to be ready to do that today, Monday morning, Sunday morning. I don't care what day of the week it is to make sure you are ready in season and out of season and make sure you're teaching and explaining and elucidating the truths of God's word. All right, that's the goal, and we hope you're all about it. Now, we've got all kinds of calls coming in because you have done exactly what I have asked. You have called 877-548-548. Three six seven five. When you hear someone hang up, you know this. We've got a line that's open, so you can get in the queue here, and we can get to your calls. That's the goal. All right, we've got a lot of calls lined up. Let's see. Let's go to. Let's go to Debbie. Line one. You're on the air with Mike Fabares. Open line. How can yes. I help? Yes, Pastor Mike. Thank you for taking my call. Um, our son had died in 2008, and uh, he had. Um, we were studying at the time First uh, John five sixteen through 18 in church, and our pastor had mentioned that anyone who is, has unrepented, he, my son professed to be a Christian, and he loved Jesus, but he had backslidden. And um, anyone who had prolonged, repeated, grievous, unrepented sin as a believer, God will step in and take him out of the world. Can you clarify that? I've read the Bible, the commentary, and so many. I'm just trying to find out if that was, if that's what this verse, if this verse says. Well, that verse uh, may exactly be discussing that. That we've got someone here who's professed faith in Christ. There's reason to believe they're genuine Christians, but they're involved yes. in something that they're not dealing with. And then God, we know in other passages, very clearly says there is an uh, an opportunity that God has in His parental oversight of the Christian to say, "Listen, I'm going to use all kinds of means to prevent this sin in your life and bring discipline into your life." But the last real tool in the toolbox of God is actually removing them from this earth. And I would quote to you 1 Corinthians chapter 11, which is a statement about the misuse of the Lord's Supper, which also is a very grievous problem. And if you didn't care and didn't respond to the instructions of God, it says in verse 30 that there are some among you that are weak and some that are ill or sick and some that have even died. And it says, had we judged ourselves truly or accurately, we would not be judged, right? But when we're judged by the Lord, we're disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the rest of the world. And I know that doesn't bring as much comfort if we've lost someone who's a professing Christian who's been embroiled in sin that they have not repented of, and then they pass away. We think, oh man, that's a horrible thing. And it's a horrible thing for now, but there is a lot of hope in that passage in the sense that we know it's really not about this life, it's about the next. And if God takes an erring believer and he is going to bring them into a kind of discipline and they don't respond to the pain in this life, but they end up passing away because the Lord says, I'm going to take you, because the whole point of the Christian, according to Hebrews chapter 12, is that he will discipline us to get us to stop sinning. He's going to do that through some kind of painful circumstance, as it says in Hebrews 12, or if we don't listen, 1 Corinthians 11 says he could say, we're done. We're not going to have this. The scary thing is, in Hebrews 12, if you are a professing Christian, you are a genuine Christian, and you don't get 
uh, disciplined. You should stop thinking you're a real, genuine Christian because every Christian gets disciplined, and the most severe kind of discipline is death. So I do think that could be, and your pastor's probably, um, it, that's one application of that First John 5 passage, although it is a very difficult text that every pastor will tell you it's hard when you get to that text and you're preaching to know exactly what John had in mind. But the clarity of 1 Corinthians 11 and Hebrews chapter 12 certainly leads the pastor to have solid footing to say what he said about the discipline that may take someone's life. Now, I know, Debbie, that may not bring you comfort, although in some strange way, I hope that it does, if in fact you know that you will see your son again because God loved him enough as a child to say, enough is enough, Uh, we're not going to have you continue in this sin, because it's the non-Christian that is without judgment. Does that help a little bit, Debbie? Yes, and and he had been disciplining him for the last six months of his life, and we could see that the Lord was trying to get his attention. Well, then I think you've got a situation that does match the biblical pattern here. Oh, and and thank you. praise, yes, praise yes. God, you will likely <laughs> will see him comfort, again. Yes. I know, it's a strange thing to say. Only Christians could find comfort in that. But there is truth that God has told us that should give us comfort. Debbie, thank you so much for the call. And we are so grateful for calls like you that bring some of the most heartfelt concerns, really, to the airwaves here to not only let you get those things answered and addressed, but so many other listeners that are dealing with these things. Well, my name is Mike Fabares. I'm sitting in today for Dr. Michael Rodelnik. You're listening to Open Line on Moody Radio. Our phone number is 877-548-3675. That's 877-548-3675. Three six seven five. The Book of Romans is often considered Paul's most significant theological work addressing topics such as sin, salvation, faith, righteousness. And now you can easily grasp Paul's teachings as the Romans Everyday Bible Commentary by Alan Johnson guides you in the meaning and application of Romans in our daily lives. When you give a gift of any size to OpenLine, I'll send you a copy just to say thank you. Call 888-644-7122 or visit OpenLineRadio.org. Welcome back, everyone, to Open Line with Dr. Michael Rydelnik, and I am not he. I am Mike Fabares, but I'm sitting in today as your host, and we've got all kinds of questions lined up, so let's go to them. Jorge in Tampa Bay, Florida, listening on WKES. You're on with Mike Fabares. How can I help? Good morning, Pastor Mike. God bless you. Um, During a Bible study this week, we had an interesting conversation. We were talking about whether Jesus was a former rabbi or was just perceived to be a rabbi because of the way he was teaching. And basically, we were talking about the 18 years of his life that are not recorded uh, in the Bible and the Jewish tradition about the kids and the way they were raised. So I would like you to clarify that if he was a former rabbi, it was just perceived to be a rabbi because of the way he was teaching. Yes, I think the latter is the case because of his upbringing, because of who he was, 
from Nazareth. He wasn't raised in Jerusalem. Uh, he was seen as, you know, on the outskirts of the mainstream Judaistic uh, teaching. I, I just think he was called rabbi, or an Aramaic, Rabboni, you might remember from John 20. Uh, so he's called rabbi, but he's called rabbi only because he fulfills the role of rabbi. It's, it's like teacher. Uh, you might have someone who's just amazing at giving teaching. They don't have a formal teaching job. They don't have a teaching contract. They don't have credentials to teach in any university or school, but they're an amazing teacher. You might call him teacher. This is my teacher. Well, I think that's the way the word rabbi is used. As a matter of fact, Jesus is in Matthew 23, you might remember, because the Pharisees are such hypocrites. He says, that you need to drop with this rabbi thing, because rabbi is a title. It's just stroking people's egos, and uh, you, know, you need to stop feeding these guys and their kind of narcissistic view on themselves, and uh, he said, you don't need to be calling people rabbi. But of course, that's not the point that those words coming out of your mouth are somehow vulgar or not right, and it's not that uh, we have Mary in sin in John 20 by calling him Rabboni. It's just the idea of what we're talking about here in being a teacher, right? She sees him as the teacher, as the source of truth, and Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Well, you're a teacher in one sense, and if you call someone a rabbi, you're just saying that they're a teacher. So I think you're right there, Jorge, and I hope that is uh, is helpful. Is that helpful to you? Uh, yes, it is. Uh, if I may ask another question, related question. When he was uh, when he was delivered the roars of, of Prophet Isaiah in the synagogue, and he read about it, uh, tradition said that only rabbis were um, allowed to teach in the synagogue. How, how could that happen in that case? Well, I think in his role of standing up to, to read the scriptures, now remember the response wasn't to say, well, this guy is our, our rabbi, and so we're going to stand back and we're going to say he must have a, you know, some confident reason for saying these things. They, they, they drove him out of town and they almost killed him that day. So I do think, as some historians have said, during the Second Temple period, there were people that would uh, offer the reading of the Torah, the reading of the law, to the people that were uh, male leaders in, in the synagogue, or at least people that have uh, some kind of, of uh, standing to say, here's a spiritual person who has something to say, we can read the scripture. And of course, as he does, he gives very little comment, just simply says, uh, this is all fulfilled in your hearing, and off we go, uh, with him saying what he said after reading the text, that he is the fulfillment of that text, and they ran him out of town. So I do think there was much more of an open uh, mic, so to speak, as we might say, and even as we see what is written in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 about the function of the New Testament church that looked a lot like what was going on in the intertestamental Second Temple period uh, synagogues, uh, you have this sense in which people would just get up and they would they would speak and they would teach, they would bring some truth in the reading of the text. So I don't think that's any point in favor of him being a formally recognized and formally ensconced rabbi within Judaism. So uh, that'd be my response there, Jorge, to that, and I hope that helps. Uh, well, you are listening to Open Line, and we appreciate your listening to us. And uh, actually, I am now with my computer just crashing here, apparently, not able to see what's next. But I'm sure Trish is going to send me my next caller. So you're on the air with Mike Fabares. How can I help? Marcel, you're on the air with Mike Fabares. How can yes, I help? hi. Hi, Pastor Mike. How are you doing today? I'm okay, except my computer just, just crashed. I don't know. Is there anything you can do about that? 
<laughs> no, I'm a we're, teacher, we're, and it happens uh, to me too. And it's I, I kind know. Of, uh, That's the know, thing. Frightening. It's, you, it is frightening <laughs> at times. All right, go ahead and ask your question. Well, my mom, Ramonita, and my dad, Bill, passed away. And I am both believers in Jesus Christ. I know I will see them in heaven as I am a believer. I just wanted to know how our interaction would be when we get to heaven. I know they talk about knowing each other. I was just curious about that because I know people say, oh, we we hear from spirits and people, and I don't believe in talking to the dead. I just want to know what my spiritual heavenly conversation will be like. Well, that's a great question, and we don't have a lot to go on other than the people that have instructed that you will know them, I think is 100% accurate, and everything in Scripture makes sense in that regard. When Paul was saying, who is my joy and my crown, uh, to the Thessalonians, something similar to the Philippians, right? How could he have this sense of pride in these people with the Lord's coming if he didn't know them in the afterlife? Or even, I guess you could argue, from the Mount of Transfiguration, how could Jesus sit here and have conversations and introduce Moses and Elijah to Peter, James and John, unless there was clear identification of who these people were in the next life. So though Peter, James, and John didn't know them in their lifetime, certainly they can be known as individual people with the histories and the lives that they had. And so your parents will have the history and lives that they've had, of course, without reference to sin and condemnation, and we will have a relationship with them that I can only say will be the fullness of joy, whatever that means. Right? Some people are saying, well, I don't know, I don't want to be there uh, you know, in, in the eternal state if I'm not married to my, you know, my husband because he's so fa- fabulous. Well, not everyone's saying that, but some people are saying that. And I'm saying to you, if you're a Christian, listen, just because we're not married or given in marriage in the next life doesn't mean that whatever relationships we have are going to be so much better, so much more fulfilling, so much more satisfying. I just think we should be looking forward with great anticipation to how you're going to relate to your parents, how you're going to relate to your friends, the people in your church, your pastor. I think all of those things are only going to be enhanced. And so we can't say much about it other than we do see interactions with people on the other side, even in Jesus's story about the rich man and Lazarus, I mean, they knew, I mean, the rich man knew Lazarus was the one begging at his gate every morning, and uh, he knows who he was. He knows his history. He knows what he did, and that's even a a big uh, contrasted knowledge of someone in that particular case in the afterlife of someone saying, he's in a place of blessing. I'm in a place of torment. Send him back so my brothers don't come here, and I think we need to recognize our relationships will be good. Our relationships will be ones that we will know the history that we had, and certainly remember the good things, because as the Bible says, the former things won't come to mind as they relate to the sin and corruption in this world. So I don't think we're going to be bearing any grudges. We're not going to remember the failures, but I think we're going to enjoy each other in the very best of our histories, and it will be a good interaction uh, as in terms of you know, living arrangements and what are we going to do in our activities? I think we are in definitely in a position of saying we only just have to wait and see. We don't know. And we don't know because God hasn't revealed it to us. And if we start thinking about, well, let me just experiment with this, as some, as you've said, have said, why don't we just try and contact the dead and talk to the dead? Well, the Bible is very clear that that's an abominable practice before the Lord. It's one of the reasons God drove the Canaanites out of the land of Canaan, and we need to recognize we should never seek that kind of knowledge, because if God hasn't given us that knowledge, then what we should do is be content with his promises and move forward, knowing your relationship with your parents and my relationship with my friends that have passed on, it's only going to be enhanced, and we cannot wait for that, Marisol. Does that help? It's wonderful. Yes, I have so much peace. 
Thank okay. you so much. All right. Thanks so much for the call. Thank you for listening to Open Line. What a great program this is. Opportunity for you and I to speak about the Bible and the Christian life. We're back. My computer is back up. I'm happy and smiling here. <laughs> Helen from Cleveland, Ohio, listening on WCRF. You're on with Mike Fabares. How can I help? Yeah, hi, Mike. Uh, last week, well, no, this week, Pastor Michael was talking about angels and guardian angels and how they're possibly, you know, they're there to help you. But the question is, I thought the Holy Spirit was, you know, our helper once we're saved. We don't look to any other uh, thing to help us. But Right, and, and, and right. I do think we need to recognize, according to Hebrews chapter 1, we cannot deny the role of angels because God has told us what those roles are, that they are ministering spirits. So we have to say that, and that's why Michael said that, and that's why I'm going to repeat that, that that's what they do. They minister in some way. We don't know all the details about that because God hasn't told us, but that's exactly what they do. And because that's what they do, we say, okay, whatever help the Lord gives us, and the Spirit, the helper, the parakletos, of course, the Holy Spirit is the ultimate helper. He doesn't uh, do that without utilizing means at times. Sometimes he does it directly, I'm sure. But just like I'd say, I hope that your husband or your kids or your coworkers have been your helpers. We're not taking anything away from the Holy Spirit of being our ultimate helper and really the source of all help. But what we recognize is that we have God who helps us and he utilizes people and he even utilizes, because of Hebrews chapter one, we know he utilizes angelic beings. What do they do? Not sure. Maybe protection, as we see in the book of Acts, uh, maybe some kind of, uh, of help in orchestrating circumstances that we see reference to, at least in the book of Daniel. So there's lots of things that those angels do, and we ought to be thankful that the Holy Spirit, the great helper, utilizes them. All right, I'm Dr. Mike Fabares, sitting in today for Dr. Michael Rydelnik. Our producer is Trish McMillan, who's going to bring us the mailbag in just a few minutes. I love the mailbag. You're listening to Open Line on Moody Radio, and we're so glad you're listening. Give us a call when you get a chance, 877-548-3675. We'll be right back. Each weekend on Open Line with me, Dr. Michael Rydelnik, we study the scriptures around our radio kitchen table. You can become a kitchen table partner through your monthly support of Open Line. Your gifts help me to provide biblical answers to questions that many believers have about the Savior, the scriptures, and the spiritual life. Along with other partners, you're helping people receive guidance from God's Word. Become a Kitchen Table Partner today. Call 888-644-7122 or go to openlineradio.org. We're so glad that FEBC partners with Open Line with Dr. Michael Rydelnik, bringing the FEBC mailbag every week. Learn how Far East Broadcasting Company is taking Christ to the world at febc.org. On their weekly podcast, Until All I've Heard with Ed Cannon, you'll hear stories of lives changed by Messiah all across the globe. Again, you can hear the podcast when you visit febc.org. That's febc.org. Welcome back to Open Line. I'm Dr. Mike Fabares filling in for Michael, uh, Dr. Michael Rydelnik, who was just talking about Ed Cannon and FEBC. I just love the fact that the Christian world, it's so small. Ed Cannon, wonderful man. He's actually a, 
a member of our church. And if he's not traveling around the world, we see him here. We love him and his wife. And what a great ministry it is, Far East Broadcasting. And what a great ministry Michael Rydelnik does on this show and so much more for the Moody Bible Institute as a great leader in that organization. And I am just thrilled and humbled to be a part of what's going on here. And I'm so thankful for Trish McMillan, because somehow she magically waved her magic wand and got my computer back up and running. I mean, just amazing. (laughs) (laughs) You were, I was asking for passwords I didn't have. And all of a sudden now it all came back up. So Trish, I'm assuming your team had something to do with that. Now you're not here to talk about your computer expertise. You're here to talk (laughs) about our mailbag. You got, you got some mailbag stuff. Right. I do. Um, our first question is from Michael. You're not going to make any comment about the computers. <laughs> well, I didn't do it. I, it is props to my team. Uh, you Pap- didn't, you didn't crash it or you I, didn't I didn't fix crash it. it. Okay, uh, good. Pappy's in the studio and got it working while I was yes. in the control room doing other stuff and Bob was doing other stuff. And so we had extra help today. <laughs> so good. So what yes. a team. Very thankful. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> um, Michael in Michigan listens to WGNB and has an interesting question. Um, that I think other people have probably want other Gentiles have probably wondered um, if everyone came from the seed of Noah after the flood and his family, are we not all Jewish or maybe why are we not all considered Jewish? Um, where did the Gentiles come from? Well, you waited to have the Gentile host so I can answer this question, <laughs> right, right. apparently. Right. Well, listen, Michael in Michigan, um, welcome to the Gentile family here. Uh, here's what we need to remember, right? And, and it's a great question, but I want to clarify. This is a, an anachronistic question, perhaps, that word. It's sometimes we get people's names in the Bible off the timeline in our minds. Just remember this. Noah came before... Abraham came. And Abraham, right, was the beginning of this line where we have the Israelite people, right? Jacob is renamed Israel, and we have this all coming from Abraham. The seed of Abraham is what makes you a an Israelite. Everyone else is a Gentile. So Noah, of course, we all share in his family. We all are part of his family. But he had three sons and their wives on this big barge, and God salvaged them and the, and the human race out of them. And Shem was the son from which Abraham came. And that's what we read about in the Table of Nations and what we read about when we're introduced to Abraham in the Bible. So yes, we are all of the family of Noah. And beyond that, we're all of the family of Adam and Eve of course. But when it comes to the flood, we're all narrowed back down to Noah and his wife. He's got three kids. We're not all from Shem. All the Semitic races came from Shem, right? We've got Ham and Japheth, and most of us, at least in kind of the the, the, the white people, Greeks, the Medes, the Scythians, they all come from Japheth's line. So uh, we, we, we could be from the Ham line, Right with some of of the uh, other nations that come from that, you can study about the table of nations there in Genesis ten. But Japheth and Ham, those lines do not; they don't; they are not the line or the 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 child of Noah through which the Israelites come. So, yes, you really have to ask the question. If you say, "Why are we not all Jewish?" Well, we'd have to be a child of Abraham lineage DNA, and that came from the line of Shem, and because. 
Noah, right, precedes all that, well, then anyone else who's not of the line of Abraham is, by definition, the nations. And that's really all that Gentile means, the nations, the rest of the people. So you have the Jews and everyone else, and we're a part of everyone else, I assume, Michael, you are, and I am, because we're not from the line of Abraham. And I hope that that clarifies it for you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for that question, Michael. Um, Our next question actually came from a caller, and we had a similar question in the mailbag. And so I'm going to kind of do a um, two-parter of sorts. Um, Our caller lived in a house that seemed to have some demonic oppression happening. And when she and her two kids, they were all believers, moved in, you know, this is the kind of environment they moved into. When they moved out, she said it was like three haunted people moved out. It was There was just some stuff in that house that happened or that had happened that left an impact on their lives that her now adult children are still dealing with um, different physical and spiritual things that her um, two kids have walked away from the Lord. She feels like she has gotten um, away from some of that, but she really wants to help her kids, her adult children, um, through this and how do you process when you've gone through more traumatic stuff like that how can you help them help your kids well let me say this and you can get stuck in your mind on saying well the demonic activity in my house is the reason for all of these things and let me just say this it may not be the answer you're expecting but i don't know of a house in the entire world that doesn't have demonic activity in it because the demons are there to tempt us they're there, I think of uh, Genesis, they're there to usurp dad's leadership. They're there to promote uh, adultery and lustful activity. That's happened in a ton of houses. It's there to incite rebellion, to promote sibling rivalries, right? Think about First John 3, Satan is out there uh, working to get families not to get along. I mean, there's not a family and a household in this entire world that's not being attacked in some way by Satan, the whole world according to 1 John 5, lies in the hands of the evil one. So it's like getting a cold. If you were to get a cold and say, I got a cold, uh, and what do you do? Well, you might want to run over to CVS or to, you know, what a Rite Aid and get some stuff to try and help you uh, with all that's going on with your sickness. You wouldn't sit there and really stress about, well, where did I get it? Where did I pick this up at work? Did I get this at, at, you know, at home when I went to the ball field with the kids for Little League? Did I get it there? It doesn't matter where you got it. And it doesn't matter where the activity took place. If your kids have turned away from the Lord, right, that's a problem. Are demons involved? Of course. But I don't want us to be fixated with demons. And when you are, you start trying to look for all of their activity everywhere. And I'm just saying the answer is always the same. The answer is we cling to the word of God, right? We pray for repentance and trust in the Lord. We seek him wholeheartedly and we stop worrying about where it all came from. Just like if you were sick, it it might be helpful, I suppose, to think it through and be careful next time. But the reality is demons aren't really concerned about the locale as much as they are about the activity and the temptation that they bring. So, so just remember that. And, and if, you, if that freaks you out, stop being freaked out about the external pressures. According to James 1, we're all ultimately falling to their temptations because we're lured away by our own lusts, our own desires within our hearts. You're carrying around all kinds of problems just being a human being. Jesus said out of the heart comes all these evil things, and it just happens to connect with whatever temptation might be around. And there's plenty of temptation in every household, in every office, in every neighborhood, in every you know team. So 
let's worry less about the origins and more about the solution, and I think that would be the godly answer that we see throughout the scriptures. Okay. How... how um... That doesn't seem to satisfy you, well, <laughs> Tell me, well, Tell me I'm more just, what you're thinking. I think, uh, where, where's the hope then? Um, uh, okay, if, if, the, if you're mired in this, what, what are you, what, even if, if I want to focus on not these external things, like James talks about, how do I, how do I um, flip my mind to, to focus on focus on the things above and not on earthly things, right, as right. it and, were. Well, that well, that's it. And that's what I think the whole Christian life is about. Yeah. Right. Everything I read in the scripture is recalibrating my thinking. My mind is being conformed to the truth of the Lord and not conformed to the world and being transformed by the renewal of my mind. It's just what we need is we know we need more Bible. We need more prayer. We need more preaching. We need more evangelism. We double down on what we know are the fundamentals of the Christian life. Sometimes we call them spiritual disciplines, and, and we just need to get strong in those things. It's like someone who's, who finds out they're, they're out of shape and they're flabby, and they're like, how do we fix this? We don't sit there and analyze, well, where did I get you know all these fat cells? We worry about, we go to the gym, and we fix this. We get to work on our bodies, and we get to work on our spiritual lives, and we end up having the kind of spiritual health that we want without having to figure out the flow chart or the org chart as to how a demon here or there might have been a part or a party to my my temptation or my my falling or as she called it the backsliding of the kids uh, we worry about the fix and the remedy and that's just the bit do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as is the habit of some right the, the realities are it's all the same stuff we used to hear in our grandparents church right you need more church you need more fellowship you need more bible study you need small groups you need evangelism you need bible study and prayer these are the kinds of things we just got to double down and triple down on and intercessory prayer for your kids it sounds like is what is needed is that we need to really pray for them. We need to evangelize them. We need to get the teaching of God's Word in front of them, have conversations about things that matter, and drawing them back. Jesus was great at taking people wherever they were at and not worrying about their past, even though he might at times expose it for the sake of showing their sin, but driving them to understand that he is the way, the truth, and the life, that he is the one that needs to be worshipped in spirit and in truth. That's what we need to be doing, bringing people back to the disciplines of the Christian life. Yeah, so exercising those spiritual muscles yes, that may be weak in certain areas, the same as we would our physical muscles. Yes, right? Physical training is of, of little value, some value, Paul says, but godliness has, has an advantage in all things. So let's be as godly as we can, and let's work to try and do what we can with those that are not to bring them along. We answer their questions. We give them answers. We appeal to them as though God were making his appeal through us. We do all we can to persuade people, knowing the fear of God, and we get involved in trying to get more truth in front of them. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you. I think that gives that gives a caller hope. I think people who are at any point, whether they're struggling with that specific situation or even the general, like I feel stuck, you know, that, that gives us some this is this is a direction to go and how you can do that. So thank you very much. And I do think Satan's strategy in part is to constantly be looking back, right? How do I figure this out? And yeah. did this house have more demons than that house? And I just think we need to just not worry about that. Bible never gives us strategies to figure that out, but it gives us a ton of strategies in moving forward 
in the Christian life. And man, yeah. that was a lot of yakking on just a couple <laughs> questions. We've run out of time in we this have. segment, haven't we? Okay. Well, Trish, thanks for those questions. And I think we'll get some more in the next hour, yes. Lord willing. That's the plan. And we appreciate you doing all of that. Our number again is 877-548-3675. You're listening to Open Line on Moody Radio with my, Dr. Michael Rydelnik, who is not here today, but Mike Fabares is here instead. And we'll be back with more questions right after this. The recent Hamas attack in Israel and the surge of anti-Semitism in the U.S. and around the world might cause us to wonder where God is in all this. It's crucial to remember that God loves the Jewish people and truly does have a plan for them. That's why Chosen People Ministries, an organization that brings the good news to Jewish people around the world and also partners with Moody Radio to bring you Open Line, is offering a new booklet titled God's Plan and Purposes for the Jewish People and written by Chosen People President Mitch Glazer. This booklet unpacks what the Bible has to say about God's choice of Israel and its significance. It will grow your care and concern for the Jewish people as you see God's heart for them. It's yours free. Just go to openlineradio.org, scroll down to the link that says a free gift from Chosen People Ministries. Click on that and you'll be taken to a page where you can sign up for your free copy of God's Plan and Purposes for the Jewish People. Go to openlineradio.org. Well, welcome back to Open Line. My name is Mike Fabares. Listening at this time to Michael Rydelnik, and I am not he, but I am the voice of Focal Point Radio, which I should take a moment this morning to tell you that if you're not listening to Focal Point, I would just invite you to listen. We've got a verse-by-verse study of God's Word going on every day. Now, I know if you listen to Moody Radio, there's plenty of programs out there, but just give mine a listen. Look it up on your local website for Moody Radio, whatever station you might be listening on. I'd love to have you as a daily listener to our program. Focal Point is the name. If you want more information about that, you can go to pastormike.com. That's where you go on the Internet. That's easy to remember if you're driving down the road right now. Just remember pastormike.com when you get to where you're going punch that into your phone or your laptop or your tablet, and we'd love to have you check out what's going on on Focal Point right here on Moody Radio. And of course, today is not about preaching to you. It's about getting your questions about the Bible and the Christian life. You know the number, 877-548-3675. And we're going to go back to the phones now. We've got Mary on the line from Florida listening on WRMB. You're on the air with Mike Fabares. How can I help? Yes, I, I've been listening a lot about uh, teaching about the rapture, and uh, it seems like it says that people who died are raised first, and yet uh, people are supposed to be going to heaven right away when Jesus said to the thief, you're going with me right away, and Paul says, absent from the body, present with the Lord. So are people in heaven right now, or do we all go to heaven in the rapture? Right. Well, the whole point of God's work in recreating a new world one day is to have us in that new world the way he designed us to be, which is spirit and body 
in a new place, a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells, to use the phrase from 2 Peter chapter 3, and you and I were made to live in these bodies of ours. The problem is death, by definition, is when your spirit leaves your body or when my spirit leaves my body. That's the day I die. And my spirit, which is conscious, it is the software, I like to say, of who I am. It's who I am, my, my, my mind, my thoughts, who I am, all of that. It's not my brain, but what I think and how I think my spirit, that's going to go immediately to be with the Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, to be absent from the body is to be present, consciously present with the Lord, as Jesus told in his parables, right? We, we have him teaching about people dying, their spirit leaving their body and being taken to a place of either comfort or a place of, of difficulty and suffering, right? So for Christians, we're going to be in a place of comfort, we know, after Christ has been raised, we're going to be with Christ, to be absent from the body, be present with the Lord in particular right, to have our presence of our faith in Christ made made realized. So we will be in God's presence. Now, the problem is, according to 2 Corinthians 5, you're going to be naked, and I'm going to be naked. Not that we're talking about no clothes on a body. We're talking about no body on a spirit. So you're going to be a disembodied spirit for a while. Theologians call that the intermediate state, and we're going to be in that intermediate state until we get our bodies back in a glorified way. And that's what we're talking about there in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We get our bodies back. So when it says the dead in Christ will rise first, well, we're talking about the part of them that is their body. And that body really makes them the complete human being that they were designed to be. Doesn't mean they're not conscious, doesn't mean they're not aware, doesn't mean they're not experiencing the presence of the Lord, it's just they're not the way God designed them to be. So we need that body to be raised, just like Jesus's body was raised from a tomb, and that body, right, even though that day he died on a cross, he committed his spirit to the hands of his Father, well, he was disembodied. For, for, for three days. But on that Sunday morning, right, that body, he got his body back in a glorified state, a perfect state. And 1 Corinthians 15 says we're going to get our bodies back as well. So when you hear about the dead in Christ rising, we're talking about what's been left behind. And what's been left behind is their physical bodies. Mary, does that help? Oh, it does a lot. That means that the people that have died already, they're already in heaven, but only with their spirit. And then at their rapture, when they go up they get their new body. Uh, Mary, that is the best summary of the theology of what I've just said I've ever heard. That's exactly right, that you've said it perfectly. And I think that's exactly what the Bible teaches. And if you want more on that, I wrote a book called 10 Mistakes People Make About Heaven, Hell, and the Afterlife. And that particular book has a whole chapter on the very thing that we're talking about. Actually, a whole chapter on what it means to die, to have our bodies be separated from our spirit, and then the resurrection and how our bodies are now glorified, and we get those back. But Mary, uh, you've said it in a sentence as well as it can be said, and I think you have it right, and I think that's the summation of the biblical data, and I appreciate the call so much here on Open Line. My name is Mike Fabares. You're listening to Open Line. We're going back to the phones. we got Bob from Akron, Ohio on the air with Mike Fabares. How can I help? Bob, are you there? All right. Bob is not there. Bob had just had enough. He was going to go on a run or maybe to the gym or to go get his coffee, but he's he's not there. So let's see. Um, let's go to uh, let's let's go to Georgia on line three. Georgia, you're on the air with Mike Fabares. How can I help? 
Uh, yes, uh, thank you for taking my call. Um, I I was explaining a question um, for the current uh, events in Israel and uh, God is it Gaza or Hamas? But, Gaza, um, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes, thank you. Um, I remember in my in high I'm a boomer, and in high school I remember some. Um, news reports about fighting. And I I remember especially one where they said that Israel and uh, Gaza were um, hurting each other's children. I remember just that part. Georgia, I I hear the music coming up, and I'm sorry, but if you hang on the line, I will take you as the first call at the top of the hour. But we've got a break here coming up, and it's a hard break, so I've got to take it. But you hang on the line and we'll get to that question. And we'll have another hour of Open Line. It's coming up on most of these stations. Our website, you might need to know, write it down. It's openlineradio.org. That's our website where you can even type in your question if you don't want to be on the air, although I'd love to hear your voice on the air. You're listening to Open Line with Dr. Michael Rydelnik. It's a production of Moody Radio, a ministry, of course, of the famed Moody Bible Institute. And we'll be back after a few messages right after this. 